Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we appreciate you joining us as we continue in our series of podcasts that focus on current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and the local church. This month, we are continuing in our series of podcasts that we have titled Spending Time with the Text. In these weeks leading up to Easter, several of our faculty members here at the college are sharing their unique insights and revelations into Scripture texts with the purpose of helping us all grow as followers of Christ who are able to handle the Word of God in a manner that is both accurate and effective. Joining us today is Dr. Corey Allen, the head of DCC's Worship Arts Department. Dr. Allen has been a regular guest on our podcast, and back in February he actually kicked off our focus on this Easter season by looking at fasting and its role in the observance of Lent. Dr. Allen, it's good to have you today. It's good to be back, Scott. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you begin this episode of our podcast, and I think you have selected Psalm 118 as the scripture that you want to focus on. Yes, and one of the things that I was wanting to do with this, many of my colleagues that have been doing these uh, presentations on uh, the passion narrative and their exegetical insights have been really focusing in on the nitty-gritty, these kind of, you know, like these really interesting grammatical points that bring Uh out some interesting things. What I wanted to do is to look more at the macro level, that there's certain passages that just kind of influence the shape of the whole passion narrative. And I thought Psalm 118 would be really, really interesting to look at simply because because all four of the Gospels quote this during Jesus's final week. And after Jesus is resurrected, it becomes a crucial point of the preaching of the New Testament church to focus on some of the things that this psalm says. And so I guess to kick this off, I'd like to ask the question, Scott, do you like soundtracks and musicals? Oh, I do, because... uh... (laughs) Especially growing up in the 80s, there were a lot of great movies and a lot of great soundtracks that, you know, come to mind anytime I hear a certain song. Understood. Yeah, anytime you hear, like, Kenny Loggins and Danger Zone, you're already back in the Top Gun movie. Anytime you hear that Imperial March, you're like, oh, Darth Vader is coming. There, there are just certain songs that resonate so well with the plot line oh, yeah. that the moment you hear that song, you think, ah, I'm at, I'm at that specific moment in that movie, and I know where I am in the plot. I would like to suggest that for many of the Christians, Psalm 118 formed kind of a major part of their soundtrack. And specifically, that soundtrack was already deeply embedded in their worship life. Okay. And so it became a natural out. Out, uh, outpouring of both their faith, but it also became an interesting evangelistic tool. They were able to look to other uh, Jewish people who had been singing these psalms all their life, and they say, don't you see Christ and what he has done embedded in this song that we've been singing all our lives? Now now we have basically a new movie that's using the same soundtrack, but now it's in a, almost a different key because on this side of the Christ event, we see it differently. Oh, that's great. I like that. So one of the uh, questions I would ask is basically just, how did the Jewish people use the Psalms in their worship life? And there are many theories for this uh, 
But the very fact that the New Testament is able to quote the Psalms often at length and that they assume that whenever they're preaching to a Jewish audience that the audience just knows these things as facts leads me to the conclusion that many of the early Christians and the Jewish people use the Psalms for more than just when they're in the temple. They seem like it's more of a daily life practice simply because of how frequently they are able to allude to them, and that their audience understands the illusion without having to think of it. And one of the more interesting, uh, we'll call it segments of the Psalms that gets used, especially on major Jewish holidays, is a set of the Psalms called the Great Hallel Psalms. Okay, so what exactly are those? The Great Hallel Psalms are the Hallelujah Psalms, and they are from Psalm 113, to Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 is, of course, the climactic psalm of that segment. And particularly uh, in later Jewish sources that date to around the 2nd and the 3rd century AD, we find that this psalm was the pivotal psalm of understanding the Passover season. That this was the psalm that really got used with a high degree of frequency, and there are even some commentators that have speculated that at the end of, say, Matthew 26, uh, verse 30, after Jesus has instituted the Lord's Supper, it says, they sang a hymn, and then they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. One of the theories is that these great Hallel Psalms are the hymn that they are singing. Oh, that's great. And so, uh, so as Jesus is going out into his Passion Week, it is already the song on their lips, if this theory is correct. Okay. And so uh, talk to me a little bit. Why were the early Christians so enamorated, or why did they latch on to okay. you know, the, the, the psalms in their preaching? Okay. Well, specifically, they're having to communicate two fairly controversial things about Jesus' life, ministry, and death. One is that a Jewish Messiah has been rejected often by the powers that be within Jewish society that should have known better. And so one of the things that they will latch on to is specifically the phrase where it says, this is the stone that the builders have rejected. We find that that description in Psalm 118, 22 through 24. Jesus will quote it in Matthew 21. It'll also be repeated in Mark 12 and in Luke 20. And Jesus basically says, "Let, let me show you what's going on behind the curtain. This institutionalized rejection of me is not just something that is haphazard. It was something that had to happen. And my guess is in the earliest Jewish preaching, when, when especially when, when Christians are preaching to their Jewish peers, that the peers are like, how could this happen to our Messiah, to our anointed one? And, these, and Psalm 118 says, don't be surprised by this rejection of Christ by the institutional establishment. Now, a second note that gets, uh, that gets uh, resonated in Psalm 118 is specifically the, uh, what we see when Jesus has his triumphal entry, when he is coming into the temple, we see the people uh, that are waving the palm branches, that are singing his praises. They, they sound the note, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so there is this question of, is he the Messiah? Is he someone who comes in the Lord's name? 
And what I find particularly interesting about this is that as Christian preaching developed and uh, specifically that we begin to have theology of worship in the second and the third centuries, that Christians began latching on to the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as part of the Lord's Supper dynamic, that it is something we sing, it's something we 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 praise Jesus for. And embedded in that is is really this ultimate question. The Christ who is coming in on this donkey, he is le- he is meek, he is lowly, he he is not riding in as a conqueror. Is this really what it means to come in the name of the Lord? Is this is this what the kingdom entering into existence looks like? And my guess is for for your average Jewish person who is who is uh, reading this is and or hearing this preach for the first time, they're probably going through this going, okay, I know this psalm that there is he who is blessed that is coming in but then what do the what do I hear about this person? He's put on a cross, he dies, uh, he dies, and then miraculously is resurrected. And I think this is the the point. How do we know that Jesus is the one who comes in the name of the Lord? And for the early Jewish preachers, the answer is the resurrection. The resurrection is a vindication of Christ, his ministry, his teaching, all of his prophecies about himself. How do I know that it's there? Uh, I was reminded of this from um, my time when I studied with Jack Cottrell back at uh, Cincinnati Christian, and he says the, the historic reality of it is just simply that when Christ rises from the dead, it solidifies any of his claims that God is on his side. So really, that becomes the the, the point of affirmation and the point of mm-hmm. of recognition yes. that you know that Jesus is who He says He is now. That, that it, exactly that that the the resurrection of Christ points us in the direction that Christ made all of these really bold claims. And if you you know if you're a follower of C.S. Lewis, he basically says you, we either have a a liar, the son of God, or a very very bad man, yeah. and you know, and my guess is the Jewish people hearing Christian preaching for the first time are asking that question: Is he a liar? Is he a very bad man? Or is he who he said he was? And the and the early Christian preaching began with Psalm one eighteen and says, so we sing about blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We then notice that this rock or that this cornerstone that is at the foot of the temple it had been rejected by the builders but it is god who's put it where it's supposed to be right and it became a way of saying don't let the scandal of the cross as paul says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the <laughs> to the greeks but it's scandal to the jewish hearer don't let this scandal of the cross detract you from the fact that the resurrection proves Jesus right. Right. And and one of the passages that, that you you have that you, you referenced here and we hadn't talked about was in the book of Acts yes. where Peter and John are before the, the Jewish leaders. Yes. And they are questioned, you know, by, by what power, by what name are yes. you doing these miracles? And Peter goes back to mm-hmm. Psalm 118 the and Psalm, quotes that, yes, that the, Jesus the that the builders is, have rejected. Right. And, it, and it's that truth that allows them to also stand up later in that chapter and say, we are going to trust in God rather than men. You may threaten us, you may cajole us to stop preaching Jesus, but we've seen the resurrection. 
And we know this is a vindication that you can't undo. Right. Well, that's great. And that this is just another one of those passages that is taking us all the way to our celebration of Easter and the resurrection mm -hmm. uh, that helps remind us and helps us prepare mm -hmm. for a better celebration of Easter. So real quickly, just some practical things for our listeners, maybe who have not read Psalm 118 or some other passages that you would recommend, what would be some good Old Testament passages for them to focus on these, these last few weeks before Easter? Well, Psalm 118 is only one of the many songs on the Easter soundtrack. If I had to give you four devotional songs to be reading this Easter week, Psalm 118 is an obvious starting point. Also, Psalm 110, the psalm that expresses that Christ has been raised to God's right hand. Mm -hmm. Psalm 22, which is the psalm uh, that begins with the, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But then ends with this triumph of vindication that I will be you know, that I will be redeemed before the people. Okay. And then finally, Isaiah's servant song, all of Isaiah chapter 53, uh, helps us to paint the picture of the suffering servant who is like a lamb before his uh, shears, that he is silent, but yet his sacrifice redeems many. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing your insights and for helping us to see better the, what, what we know now looking on the other side, but the, the Old Testament has always been pointing towards Christ and to the Messiah. Absolutely. And so thank you for sharing that today. We want to thank you again for joining us for this episode of Spending Time with the Text with Dr. Corey Allen, the head of our worship arts department here at DCC. If you're interested in learning more about Dallas Christian College, you can always check us out at our website, www.dallas.edu. We are committed to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And we thank you for joining us today for this episode of DCC's Leadership Podcast. Pray that you and your family stay safe and healthy, and we pray that you have a joyous Easter season.